Welcome to Travis Bites. Before we jump into John's interview with Mark, I wanted you to stay tuned for episode three of the Travis Spooky Special, which will start right after the interview. Now enjoy this week's episode. I'm John Travis, and I have the opportunity to sit across from Mark Davidson, who works in our estimating department and has for several years. I know that he's been a part uh, not just here with myself and, and our team and group here, and but as part of uh, my extended family for years and years, and I'm looking forward to having an opportunity to talk to you, Mark, and hear a little bit about your story and have a chance uh, uh, for others to hear it as well. So thank you. Well, thanks for having me, John. Well, I, I guess the first thing is, what do we need to know? What do we need to know about <laughs> Mark? Where are you from? Have you always been in San Antonio? Start there. Okay, so yeah, f- most of my life's been spent in San Antonio. Um, I was kind of a pseudo-military brat, so okay. I did travel a little bit. Um, let's see. Air Force, or is that how Air, you ended up here? Air or? Force. Okay. So in the beginning, yeah, um, parents were stationed in, uh, in Germany. We was born in Germany. I was born oh, there. Wow. And then when I was two years old, my dad got out of the Air Force. They were reducing the, or there was a reduction in force. So sure. he uh, left the Air Force stateside, um, just traveled. It was like Iowa, Austin, San Antonio. Then he started working for civil service in the military. Uh-huh. But yeah, majority of my life was here in San Antonio. A little bit of moving in between. But So high school here in San Antonio? Yes, uh, went to Madison High School. Okay, we won't hold that against you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. Yeah. Okay. And um, then, um, so what was it like growing up? Brothers, sisters? So yeah, I was. Uh, I had an older brother and an older sister. So I was the. So you're the baby. I was the baby. You're the wee baby. They would, yeah. <laughs> they would probably call me the runt. Of oh the no. Litter, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so um. Sports activities. Yeah. What did you do growing up? Did you have to work during the summers. I or? did. I worked as soon as I could. I'm throwing newspapers. Okay. Uh, mowing. That's like grass, four in the just, morning, isn't it? Oh yeah. Oh. Getting up early in the cold, in the rain, everything. But um, always trying to make money. Um, right. Collecting glass bottles and returning them to the store deposits, you know, to get soda money. Um, so yeah, always working like strong work ethic, so, which was good. Um, interest. Let's see. Like, uh, I got into golf really early, probably middle school Are age. You, do you still golf? I, I didn't know don't. That. But I. But early on, you early did. Early on, like, uh, played on the golf team in high school. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, what happened was we also we played all sports just around the house. Sure. And everybody was like, we're big into football. So it was like street ball, you know, <laughs> skin knees and everything. So um, uh, in middle school, I actually played football my uh, eighth grade year and then freshman year in high school. But... I was just like stunted in growth. I was like the size of the football, and everybody else is getting big. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> we'll do golf. Yeah, golf is safer. That's probably smart. Yeah. Well, so, where'd you go to college? So yeah, when I graduated high school, um, went off to Texas Tech. Okay. Wanted to get away, uh, wide open spaces. <coughs> Love and it. That that's right. def- defined. <laughs> it's wide open spaces. So uh, <laughs> went up to Lubbock. Um, what did you study there? Yeah, I. In hindsight, I probably wouldn't have gone straight to college if I could do it all over again. Yeah. Because I thought I knew what I wanted to do. But I get up there and I'm bouncing around majors like petroleum engineering, business, history, business. 
I'm like, man, I need to figure something out. What can I get a degree in where I can really make absolutely no money? <laughs> Anthropology. That's what I'm going to go after. So you so, went from petroleum <laughs> engineering to business and bounced around in, in yeah. the end, anthropology. Yeah. I, that, well, you know what? I, I bet you learned a lot. I bet that's fun. I loved it. I mean, archaeology was kind of the yeah the major. But, the Indiana um, Jones? Yeah, fossils and whip and all that. <laughs> but um, I actually started a family while in college. Okay. Um, met a girl. She actually had kids. Oh, and then we had a daughter. And I got to thinking, you know, I'm probably going to have to start making money when I get out of school. And archaeology isn't that. Because that's kind of like camping out, getting like a little stipend to camp out and dig and stuff. So when I graduated from tech in 2001, I didn't go straight through school. I kind of took some time off and worked. Um, uh, we moved back to San Antonio and kind of bounced around between jobs. Yeah. And I was doing thing, you know, working for a title, data entry title company. So you didn't um, use the anthropology? No, no. Okay. Anthropology is just... Fun. <laughs> fun, yeah. Okay. Got the degree. Got a degree. Um, but so I worked different different jobs. They're just jobs um, for several years. And this kind of leads into your Uncle Eddie. Uh-huh. Um, I was like, I, I want to do something that's like a career, like a career path. And I thought, you know, I did a little construction during the summer once. And uh, I was enjoyed looking, it. I enjoyed it. I mean, it was it was kind of more like a general laborer for residential construction, but it it has its pros and cons, like everything else. But I was uh, reading through the paper, and I came across an ad like paint estimator, Uncle Eddie, Uncle Eddie, <laughs> a newspaper awesome. ad. Um, when was that? Uh, I was like two thousand six. 2007-ish. I think so it was you, you answered, you went over and I uh, saw Uncle Eddie? called him up, set up an interview time, went over there, sat down across from him like I'm sitting here across from you. And uh, I said, hey, um, first thing first, just on the table, I've never done paint estimating, never done any estimating, uh, worked a little general construction as a laborer, so... And he uh, said, I'm, that's awesome. You're hired. <laughs> you seem like a crazy young man. <laughs> <laughs> so he, you know, he described the job, um, like what it entailed and uh, uh, kind of like what he was looking for in like a new estimator. Um, he did things really like old school. Uh, he wanted to be brought into the 20th century. Um, computers, some digitizers, uh, on-screen takeoff stuff. So I said, hey, I can figure it out. I, one thing I can do is I, uh, I'm pretty bullheaded. I'm a quick learner, and I can, I can figure things out. So he's like, let's go. Shook and so my hand. you worked with him all the way to when he, when he retired. Yes. So that's what, 2000? To 2018. 2006 to 18? Mm -hmm. So you learned a lot? I learned a lot. Uh, I learned from Uncle Eddie how to estimate. Yeah. Uh, he sat with me many times growing up. Sure. You know, uh, back then it was, he did it by squares or grandpa did it by squares. squares. He kind of took the squares and 
yeah. you know, taught me my lineal foot, square foot each, how to how to read plans. No, sure. it's great help. So you got to do that for twelve years. Good experiences. Good experiences. Um, I mean, it was like you were thrown right into the fire. Yeah, yeah that's how we all did it. <laughs> so um, yeah, we um, it was like paper plans. Uh huh. I mean, this was two thousand six, two thousand seven. Sure. So still using the fax machine. Yes, fax machine. You're going to uh, Builders Exchange. Y'all and be borrowing the, the plans. Plan, borrowing the plans. Paying seventy bucks and <laughs> architectural scale. Um, yeah. So we did everything just like off the plans and uh. Yeah, the triangle. Then they triangles. came out with a little wheelie pin. You're sure. like, oh, life is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> then it was State the, of the art. Then it was the digitizer Ouija boards. Right. 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 Now it's all on screen. Yeah. Oh, Everything's you've digital. Seen it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was a lot of um, looking over shoulders, asking questions. Um, sure. Any project that stood out for you as you were learning with Uncle Eddie? Uh, just in terms of estimating? Yeah, estimating or a good experience or something that uh, well, I, you still remember? I, uh, <laughs> let's see. I, I would probably say I'm pretty early in my, like, I guess probably within a few months. I was actually looking over Eddie's shoulder. He was bidding a job, and I was asking a million questions. And he finally just, like, set his pencil and triangular scale down and turned around and said, you know what? I think you need to do, and this is really important. I'm going to need you to go out to a job, and it was North Canyon Lakes High School. Uh That was brand new, and we were doing the painting on. And I need you to grab a couple of the guys and uh, handle the punch list. I said, are you trying to get rid of me? (laughs) (laughs) And he said, it'd be good experience because I didn't have any field experience. Right. That was a good idea. And so good way I, to get to know the job, oh, know the right. plans, know where stuff is, yeah. know the process, yeah, and know what sells. Right. Yeah. It's great experience. So yeah, that really sticks. I went out there. Uh, there's, let's see, two painters that I, I ended up uh, recruiting: uh, Rafael Tierra right. and then uh, Abel Ramirez. Both wonderful great, men. Great guys. Great painters. Um, and yeah, we just. Grabbed this, uh, it looked like a phone book, but it was a punch list. <laughs> it just went cr- So you did that for a few weeks, and that gave you, opened up your eyes maybe, I guess, to the process, give, give you a better understanding of Certainly. how it all worked. And so then it's not just a number or a two-dimensional drawing. Now it's something real. Yeah, real, like uh, hands, uh, like hands on, because I actually grabbed the paintbrush. And oh, you're doing it. I'm yeah. doing it. You know, I think, and I'm curious, but one of the things that I think is important for an estimator is be able to see things in three dimensions. So sure. even though you're looking at a two-dimensional drawing, you can essentially explode it in your mind and walk through it. Did you find that you could always do that, or was it helpful, for instance, when Uncle Eddie sent you to the job oh. to be able to, to visualize, yeah. you know, fur-down systems, ceiling systems, access issues for things that are up high, um, how things connect? It just seems to me that a skill that not everyone has at the beginning, and some people just don't think that way, but very valuable to be able to see the project done in your mind, even though all you're looking at is a a line drawing. Yeah, I agree exactly, and and that's a great question. Um, Yeah, being sent out to the field was key. That's like a turn, oh, yes. There's, I mean, when you're looking at a clean set of drawings, flat, you know, it's you're doing the math, you're paying attention to detail, but you don't know why. Right, I mean, right? it's yeah. kind of like when you're 
pricing stuff out. Oh, one shoe doesn't fit all. I mean, there, there's things in three dimensions that can make the price go up. Like it might be hard to access an area. You might be looking at a plan and really it's like a 28, 30 foot wall that has uh, fur downs that jut out and uh, things in the way and you get sure. up there. We do some of these, you know, a hotel lobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do um, the school corridors now, depending on the architect, they may have, uh, it may be 30 feet high with uh, jutted out uh, balcony rails, uh, cellar stories, right? Mm-hmm. Steel that's one color, clouds that are another color, painted sheetrock in between them, a different color, you know, different wall materials. And it, it, if you look at a page, it doesn't mean anything until you sit there and think to yourself, oh, how am I even going to get up there? What's the order I'm going to do it in? And all that's time, as opposed to just, you know, it's a 30-foot wall, go left to right 100 feet, that's a little easier. Yeah. But yeah. I do find that useful. So you and I hooked up as Uncle Eddie retired, mm-hmm. and uh, essentially his crew, and you and I had an opportunity to meet, and then we've been here now together, and thank you for three, four years, going on five. So... If you could go back in time to young Mark, who was doing a, a business degree in petroleum engineering and ended up with anthropology, what would you tell young Mark about where you've ended up in construction? What would you say to another young child, maybe, or young kid that's thinking about construction? What would you, would you encourage them? Would you discourage <laughs> them after your experience? What would you tell them? And I would, you know... You, you, of course, you need to be. It helps to be passionate about what you're doing. Um, yeah, if you're really wanting to pursue that career, maybe a, a degree in construction science as opposed to anthropology might benefit you. More and applicable. Not, more applicable. Also, um, I I think just having you know, like apprenticeship, like a field experience, helps tremendously. Kind of like you know David Roy here, just being able to like see how things actually happen in the field in reality and then take that back to the classroom and I mean not only does it things kind of make more sense but you also have things to offer to the class you know because you've more reality yes more reality well I'm grateful for your time here I look forward to the future what's next what what do you like doing outside of here you know what's what's Mark doing the next few years uh well, I mean, I'm living a rock star life as an oh, estimator okay. here. At, That's at true. J. Yeah. Travis. Um, With an entourage and everything. Right. right. I mean, I'd, I'd really, I'd like a little bit more privacy and <laughs> the paparazzi to kind of back off a little sure. bit. Aside from that, um, just spending time with the kids. Uh, I have, you know, a daughter and a stepdaughter. My stepdaughter has two kids. So oh, you're grandpa. I'm a grandpa. Um, so I try to spend more time with them. And then... Um, just hanging out with the parents and sure. helping them out because they spent a lot of time helping me out growing up, so it's reciprocal. Um, and just enjoying life, trying to, you know, get away from, you have to, like, detach from the stresses and the uh, all of the data that just bombards you. And so it's good to get away, hike, go camping, just kind of detach. Recharge. Recharge the batteries. I, I think that's key. Just professionally continue learning? Yes. You talked about a teachable spirit. Always learning. Just always, I mean, there's always something new you can learn from 
anyone, you know. So I just try to absorb it. That's key. Well, Mark, I look forward to the coming years, and thank you for taking the time to tell us of your story and, and what it was like growing up and your time with Uncle Eddie and here with us. And uh, again, I want to convey thank you and I look forward to what's next. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, John, and I look forward to the years to come. Thanks, Thank Mark. You, sir. Welcome to the Travis Spooky Special. If you're just joining us, you can catch previous episodes on our website, traviscompanies.com slash podcast with an S. Be sure to text in your guesses by October 31st. The first person to solve the mystery will win a prize. And now, here's episode three, Precarious Projections. The team waiting in the safe room turns on the lights to reveal Frank, the facilities manager. It's you, Frank. You stole the desk, the team accuses. It's not me, I swear, he defends himself. Then he goes on to say the ghost appeared to him a second time and ordered him to steal the key, and that he was just so scared he did not know what to do. The team asked where he saw the ghost, and he sat down by the cage again. Immediately, the team goes to the cage area to investigate, and they see the ghost. Get me the keys! As the group cowers at the side of William Barrett Travis, one of the members trips on an extension cord. The ghost disappears, and a projector falls out of the ceiling. Attached is the projector piece missing from the engineering department. A closer look at the area reveals speakers and fans set up, proving the ghost was a fake. Shocked. The team decided to look at the security camera footage and discovered the days are put on a loop. Nothing was recorded. Looking at the logs, they find the camera system was hacked from Patty's computer. Right then, Ernest the Estimator calls the team with a potential lead. He says that now that he didn't have to worry about those RFIs, he had more time to think. He remembered that on the night the desk disappeared, he saw a strawberry woodwork truck, Travis Millwork's leading competitor, parked nearby. Upon receiving this information, the team went to the Strawberry Woodwork website and saw a familiar face. Who did they see on the website? Who set up the projector? Stay tuned for next week's final episode of the Travis Spooky Special.